We could create a whole world in the mind of the listener simply by using sound effects. Ron Wolfley. Thud, 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 thud. <laughs> Boo-ray. Boom. Luke Lipinski. Huh. Wolf and Luke. Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Well, if you wanted the Phoenix Suns sold, sounds like you're getting your wish. According to Woj, about 20 minutes ago, billionaire mortgage lender Matt Ishbia finalizing a purchase of the Phoenix Suns. Deals expected to be completed in the near future. And also from Woj, uh, ESPN sources, Ishbia's purchase price is in the neighborhood of $4 billion. Josh Colmenter's in for Wolf today. Josh, I, I bet you didn't think you were coming. I figured, like, you come in, it's the holidays, nice, easy show, talk about a Suns win over the Lakers. Not, you know, talking about, like, net worths and mortgages and investments and <laughs> who's buying the Suns after all these years of Robert Sarver. And yet, here we are. Yeah, there were no Forbes links in the in the pre-notes last <laughs> night that we were, we were checking out. But uh, uh, such is news, but it, it's uh, definitely, I mean... Something for Suns fans. I mean, they've been wanting this for for a long time, but there's going to be a lot of uh, Google searches of Matt Ishbia today, that's for sure. <laughs> I was going to say, I love how we're all trying to vet him via Forbes and Wikipedia <laughs> yeah. right now, and also his basketball reference page, because he played a, a little bit on uh, the Michigan State teams right around the turn of the century, which makes it sound like it was 100 years ago, but there, he was there from 99-2000 to the 2001-2002 season. He played on Michigan State. Yeah, I'm sure that's uh, whenever that introductory press conference is, I'm sure he's going to say that he wants a NBA championship to go alongside his national, national championship, <laughs> Boy, which not too many owners can say. That would be fantastic, <laughs> though. Like, how great would it be to be him in that moment if the Suns win the title and he owns the team? Okay, I've got a national championship, but he didn't play very much. And I've got an NBA championship, but I didn't have to play at all. And he's got the two rings. And also, if I had two separate rings like that, like from I would be wearing them both all the time. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And, I mean, just to be a basketball player, that was probably his first dream. And yeah. then to then be an owner, I mean, it, um, is he going to be drawn up plays, you think? <laughs> <laughs> I hope not. I think we tried that once already. Uh, i tell you, though, it's it, it's got to be, and Aaron brought this up earlier, last segment, when we first found out about it, it wasn't really that much earlier. You know, you do have a guy that, that clearly loves basketball, played college basketball, and he is in a position that's very unique. First of all, even to be able to buy an NBA team, I know when the Suns became available, there were a lot of people like, well, if you have the right money, you can buy. There's like five or six other teams. Okay, cool. But nobody's buying those teams right now. For the Phoenix Suns to be openly available and to have led the league in wins last year and have been to the finals the year before, that's rare for a team that's that good in that moment. Like You can go out, hey, I can go out and buy an NBA team that's a mess, or I can go out and buy an NBA title contender. Not a bad deal. No, not at all. And that's, I think, one of the interesting things about the Suns being sold is that they're in this stretch of a couple of years where they're very good and will continue to be good. You know, they don't really so show signs of slowing down. They have a bona fide superstar. They have a lot of good players around them that are going to be here for a while. So, you know, buying high on a team like that is very rare. Usually you're buying, you know, one of the lower level teams and all of a sudden you're going to have to try to build them up if you want them to be any good but he's coming in you know already a team that's going to be playoff bound and that's got to be exciting and i mean probably what made them very um exciting to purchase or what made it such an opportunity i i i hope he knows i'm sure he does <laughs> he's doing this he's obviously made four billion dollars he knows what he's doing um 
that's not just the the sale price. Like you got to go ahead and set that money aside. What about ninety million for Cam Johnson? You're going to have to pay him. You're already uh, on the hook for Da. Uh, if Devin Booker can ever make more money, you're going to have to pay him. I think he's like he's super max. So you, you, but just just be aware when you're buying this title contender. It's not just a like, hey, you know, I got this team. That's kind of cool. I have, you know, I, I go out there every once in a while. No, if you've got a team that is is built to try to win now and uh, in the immediate future. So the four billion dollars, if it ends up being that just go ahead and tack on like an extra couple hundred million for we're gonna have to pay to players in the next few years absolutely and just the way the tv money and the salaries in the nba they're continuing to go up like what you're almost forced to spend and everything so it's a a good time to be a player in the league too Uh, the owner's cutting those checks not so much but he's gonna find that out in a hurry yeah (laughs) but you know you're right though the tv deal everything these these teams don't go down in value right now we really we should call this guy in the air and get in on it and be like hey look We've got $54 here. Can we have a half of a half of a half of a percent? Because whatever it is, we're going to like triple. How much money did Robert Sarver make off this team? For the three guys driving around right now that feel bad for Sarver, he just made a couple billion dollars. Yeah. what did He, he bought it in the million, hundreds of millions, yeah, I think. Yeah, I believe so, so, yeah. I mean, that's... Uh, Quite an investment. It's a nice return on your <laughs> yeah. investment right there. Uh, as far as the game last night, the Suns beat the Lakers. That's always good. But let's be realistic here. LeBron didn't play. Anthony Davis didn't play. Russell Westbrook didn't play. Cam Johnson didn't play. Devin Booker didn't play. So it's not to cheapen the Suns' win. It is more, and you you know, you know played with the D-backs those years. How much can you take from a game like this as a team? Because you watch it and you're like, oh, the Suns are are, are much better than the Lakers watching that game last night. I know it was just one game, but the Suns are much better than the Lakers in that game. But then you kind of take a step back and you're like, both teams are missing most of their players. So why why are the Suns still this much better than the Lakers when you've gone down the bench a few spots already? Yeah, I just think that goes to the Suns' depth. That's something they had last year. There's something that they've been building that they can run eight to ten guys out where a lot of teams once they get to seven eight you know it's going to be a significant drop off and if you just look at the i mean obviously we follow the suns a lot but the name in the the names in the suns starting lineup versus the names in the lakers starting lineup you just look at that and it should be a, a blowout regardless of missing booker um you know cam johnson campaign out they're still that much better and you look at the balance scoring they just play so well as a team and so deep that I think that's one thing that I thought and a lot of people thought last year in the playoffs would really help them and then whatever happened in that game seven like we said we'll never know but they were a team that's deep and one thing we were kind of talking about pre-show coming into is they're not running away with the league like they were last year yeah and that's something that may better serve them going into the playoffs where they haven't wasted all this energy or spent all this time winning 60-some games. And if you look at the standings in the West, nobody's really doing that. Yeah, that seems to be a path that some teams are either involuntarily taking or I think in the case of the Suns, not, you know... You'll take the wins, but you're not killing yourself to get the wins right now because you're 31 games into an 82-game schedule, and realistically, you want to be playing, what, you want to win 16 more after the season, so probably playing at least 24-ish more after the season. Uh, I think that's by design with the Suns, certainly. It doesn't mean they don't have any issues. i got to say, if I was buying the team, I would be like, okay, here's $4 billion. 
but I get to know what happened in the Dallas series. <laughs> like I get to be in the small circle of people that gets to know what happened for that week in May that made absolutely no sense at all. Uh, to your point on, on the starting lineups that each team had out there last night, okay? So for the Suns, Torrey Craig, Mikel Bridges, DeAndre Ayton, Chris Paul, Damian Lee. All right, it's, it's still a pretty good lineup. This is the, the test you can always run on a team. If you follow the NBA, but you're not watching league pass every single night, right? If you go to like, just go to ESPN's box score. They don't give you the first name. Mm-hmm. So you're looking, you're like, okay, Beverly, I know who that is. Schroeder, okay. Walker, four, okay. I mean, I know it's Lonnie Walker, but you start to get into like Thomas Bryant. Yeah, wasn't he on the Wizards? Uh, Troy Brown? Is that Troy? Like, anytime you have yeah, to was wonder. Was the football player? Yeah. <laughs> he was with the Patriots, wasn't he? <laughs> anytime you have to wonder about the first name, yep. you just see the initial. You're like, yeah, okay. Then then they have a hole in their starting lineup. Let's put it that way. Uh, but yeah, the Suns get the win last night, and it's Sounds like they are now getting an owner uh, very soon. Football season's winding down, but you still have time to get in on Bix Picks. Text Pick to 62620 to sign up to compete against Dan Bickley for your chance at the grand prize 75-inch TV. Courtesy of Corona Extra, weekly winners are going to receive an NFL jersey of their choice and a $50 gift card to cold beers and cheeseburgers. So text Pick to 62620 to enter. When we come back, is the Cardinals' sense of urgency to win next year specifically at an all-time high? We'll explain next. One of the players kind of weighed in. We'll, we'll get into it. It's Wolf and Luke, Josh Colmenter in for Wolf on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Wolf and Luke Middays, Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. All right, welcome back to the show. Josh Colmenter is in for Wolf today. News of the day is that the Suns are apparently pretty close to being purchased by Matt Ishbia, billionaire mortgage lender. This is according to Woj within the last half hour. So uh, keep an eye on that, certainly, and, and we'll get back into it and maybe some of the ramifications that could have. I mean, certainly big picture, but honestly, Josh, even just what it could potentially do as far as if there was a hold on making trades or being able to sign players, or even if James Jones was doing it with like one hand sort of tied behind his back because he didn't know who the owner was, that would, that would kind of make sense. Uh, we're going to get into football here, though. And specifically, Justin Pugh had an interesting conversation with some people on Twitter last night. And I want to make sure I pull up the exact um, conversation. But what it essentially went down to, this is, this is his tweet that... Um, he said the key to winning, this is part of a bigger conversation, but the key to winning Super Bowls is hitting on a rookie deal quarterback. Build around him, ideally with the best defensive line in football, and then trade that quarterback when he starts asking for 25% or more of the salary cap. If he'll take 15%, it's a different story, but you're overvaluing the position. And he was talking to somebody at that point. Um, it's a conversation that Wolf and I have had more so like last February. Everybody knew Kyler was going to get paid. But how much was he going to get paid? How much of the cap is he going to take up? That's a real, that's a real issue potentially. And you know, not to get too deep into numbers after we just talked about financial numbers to purchase the Phoenix Suns. But Justin Pugh went and found that uh, that graph that we had back when we were talking about in February, talking about cap percentages of quarterbacks that have won the Super Bowl, it's not typically very high. Some of it's skewed because Tom Brady kept taking less and less money uh, because he didn't 
need to, I mean, he was already making a ton of money, but typically it's like, yeah, okay, this team won and their quarterback made about 12%. We're going to get to a point here in two years where Kyler is set to make 26%. Now the cap's probably going to go up, so it's not going to be 26% in two years. But that's a real obstacle now for this team. Yeah, I think if you go back over two decades, that's kind of been the theory. And if you talk to some NFL GMs that have done it behind, you, obviously you have to have a quarterback. Um, do you have to pay him that much of the cap? Maybe not, but you still have to have a quarterback. Otherwise, the rest of it doesn't make any sense. Yeah. But usually have the quarterback, and then your next two priorities are either rushing the other team's quarterback or protecting it. And obviously, if you have more money to spend, you can pay on those guys. And there's so many skill position guys out there coming out of the draft, some of these um, just freak athletes, that a lot of times you can plug some of those guys in. If you have a true number one, it helps. But a lot of times you can get away with that. But just over, um, like you said, defensive line, yes. If you have a rookie quarterback, you build the defense. If you look at quarterbacks that were rookie deals that won, Russell Wilson, Ben Roethlisberger, Eli Manning, the Burrow run last year, Jared Goff got him to that. Mm-hmm. All those were just built around defense. That's not what the Cardinals team is going to be with Kyler. You're going to have to win on offense. So if he was still on his rookie deal, yeah, you build a defense around him. That seems to be the recipe. But outside of Mahomes winning his, he was more offensive-minded, but that's just because he's that good of a quarterback. And even then, he I don't think Mahomes wasn't making that much. Like He had no, he to was, be on his rookie Yeah, he was solving yeah. rookie deals. He's the only one really out of that that got there from an offensive standpoint. Yeah. The rest of them were, we're going to spend all the money on the defense. We're going to you know, try to win low-scoring games, not give up a lot of points. That's just not how the Cardinals can be built now. So, I mean, I understand what he's saying, but going forward, like you're going to have to win games because of him, not with the pieces around him. That's 100% it. And, and so just to kind of give you some, some perspective on it, Kyler Murray this year, yes, he signed the extension and everything, but this year... His cap hit was twelve point six million dollars. Okay, next year it'll be sixteen million, which is why you're still kind of like, okay, yeah. The following year, twenty twenty four, it's fifty one point eight million dollars. So it is the great conundrum of you got to pay your franchise quarterback, otherwise he will leave. But you also really kind of need like these years where he is on that rookie deal are so pivotal to. The next five years of your team, did you draft well? Did you get other players? Did you did you take advantage of it? Like those guys you just read off, Russell Wilson, Patrick Mahomes. Well, those teams took advantage of it, and they won Super Bowls when those guys were on those deals. Kyler Murray's that 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 window closes next year to be able to win when he's when he's still cheap. Did you take advantage of it in that regard that you have something to show for it? Right now, they don't. They have one playoff appearance and a, and a bad loss. Um, did you take advantage of it by? getting players around him that are going to not be as expensive because you've been developing them. I mean, to be fair, yeah, some of these guys absolutely could be, and and specifically on the defense, but they didn't spend money on the defense. They went out and and drafted those guys. It's just something to keep an eye on, and and I think it's, it's... it hits another level when it's Justin Pugh talking about it, right? And there were people getting back to him and saying, okay, you know, is this a veiled shot at your quarterback? Are you saying they should get rid of him? And he was saying, no, you know, look at, you, you have to factor in. Like, he, he was pretty clear that he wasn't trying to talk about Kyler Murray specifically. I don't even know where this conversation originated. It was just with, a, with a, somebody else on Twitter. But the point remains the same. Your window to win where you can make mistakes building your roster ends next year. 
because when you give Kyler Murray $51.8 million in 2024, every other roster decision you have to make, it basically has to be right. All of them. Yeah, like you said, drafting well. And another wrinkle is who's going to be the guys doing drafting. You're, <laughs> that's another issue you're going to have because it is so critical, especially this year. Okay, now that the season's a wash, you want that draft pick to be as high as possible because drafting guys into some of those key positions can be just as valuable for you right now because you're not going to have to go out and try to manipulate getting you know, maybe a lesser player because you can only pay him X amount to be, you know, an offensive lineman or defensive lineman or something. So all those decisions are going to have to, you're going to have to hit on several draft picks years in a row just to make this all work. But it's also, I understand he's saying that, but that's just kind of the system. Uh, quarterback values are just going to keep going up. Yeah. Like if you want you a quarterback, it doesn't matter who it is. If you want, you know, a, a top Fifteen, a top half of the NFL starting quarterback, that's the going rate. Otherwise, you're trying to do this with a journeyman, a backup, something like that. Yeah, that doesn't work either. Uh, he, Justin Pugh tweeted out the, the top 10 Super Bowl quarterback cap percentages, and these were guys getting there. So like Peyton Manning in 2009 was eating up 18.8% of Indianapolis's cap. Now, obviously, they would take that. but And, and he got him there. But as far as a quarterback that actually won the Super Bowl, it was uh, Tom Brady... In 2021, Brady just won the Super Bowl a year and a half ago, uh, 12.61% of the cap. So, again, Kyler right now is right around 26, set to be right around 26% in two years. But, again, the percentage will go down because the cap will go up. But still, you've put yourself in this position, and you had to do it, but you've put yourself in a very tight position. And I, I think it it amplifies two things to me. One, it amplifies how important this pick in this draft is coming up because that's a guy that is should be a game changer that you're going to get for cheap. And two, and this ship has already sailed, but it amplifies the importance of when you draft a franchise quarterback and you take him as high as you did, having the GM and ideally even the coach, but specifically the GM, locked in long term so that... Like, he can see his vision out. You know what I mean? Because now you're going to bring in a new GM, and like you said, Josh, is this new GM going to look around and say, he's probably not going to blow out Kyler because Bidwell's going to say, if, if I'm going to hire you, you're going to, you're going to want to you're going to keep him Kyler Murray. But is he going to come in and say, okay, I want to rebuild the entire roster around him. I don't like what you have going on here. Well, that's going to get really hard to do in a year. You can still kind of do it this offseason, but going into 2024, it's going to be like, all right, let's, let's rebuild this roster. What do we have? Nothing. Your quarterback has... You know, at that point, probably 20% of your cap. What are you going to do? Yeah, you don't expect to be, especially after last year getting to the playoffs, you want to continue to build on that. You didn't expect to be in this position, but it could be a blessing in disguise that they have a top pick and they're going to be able to pick at the top of the first round, the second round, because you're going to need to get guys, like we said, on the cheap going forward. So if you can get guys now that in two or three years are key players on your team but are making money that makes it work that's what you're going to need and so whoever is the gm is um you know going to have to make sure that he hits on all those that's uh it's it's a pressure-packed situation whether they go with adrian wilson or quentin harris or whoever you or you go out and hire somebody it's like you have to hit on this first pick and you probably have to hit on the second round pick and it's not one of those things where it's like 
oh, they're decent players in the future. That's not good enough in this case because of the situation you are in. It's not just, okay, you know, we took a guy, let's say at number five, because that's where they are right now. And he performed like, you know, a really good second rounder. Like some of years you can get away with that. You had the 15th pick and you took a guy that, that's an everyday player. He's not like a game changer, but you, you don't have that luxury anymore. You, you have to hit on these picks. And it's also a weird spot because they're going to want to take an offensive lineman, but there aren't really any offensive linemen at the top of this draft right now. So I don't know. It's it's a, I guess a long way of saying how complicated things are are getting for the Cardinals as if they weren't already. But I thought it was interesting that Justin Pugh was the one tweeting that out, and he had his numbers, which is not a surprise with Pugh. Like he he wasn't just arguing with some rando on Twitter. He had numbers to back it up. Oh, one hundred percent. And not only that, but numbers for other quarterbacks. And if you look historically, I mean Brady's kind of an anomaly. Regardless, because he kept taking less. You're, yeah, your Kyler Murray's not walking in to the owner's office like, hey, "How about you knock a f- you know ten percent off my salary yeah. next year so we can go get these guys?" Brady was in a unique position to do that. Otherwise, you know, he would have been bigger cap hits. But if you look historically, you just need that much money to spread around because you need so many other guys to help you roster. win. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. This isn't the NBA. There's no luxury tax and it's not a 15-man roster or whatever. Like It's a huge roster. Text us your thoughts to the FanDuel text line at 620-620 right now. We come back. ASU landing another player in the transfer portal. We're we setting up for a potential quarterback battle in Tempe this offseason. That's next. It's Wolf and Luke. Josh Colmenter in for Wolf on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Wolf and Luke. Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. All right, we'll certainly get back into the Sun stuff. We've been following it closely, and we'll get back into it here in just a few minutes. It is Wolf and Luke. Josh Colmenter in for Wolf. The Sun stuff, in case you're jumping into your car right now, is not them beating the Lakers. Although, at the start of the show, that's what it was. And the Sun stuff is not, hey, the Suns are playing the Wizards tonight. Although, at the start of the show, it was that, too. Uh, in fact, poor K-Ray. We had him on at, at 1030, and then the news broke at 1040. <laughs> that It sounds like Matt Ishbia will be buying the Phoenix Suns. We'll explain what that means if you don't know what that means. Because uh, you're just jumping in the car, like I said. Uh, But right now, over to ASU, ASU making uh, a move through the transfer portal and adding Drew Pine from Notre Dame, the quarterback. And Josh, we had uh, we had Kenny Dillingham on yesterday just to kind of, you know, pick his brain on this philosophy of, you know, how you're going to run this team. And Wolf is Wolf is very anti-transfer portal. I'm not as anti-transfer portal. I'm anti-transfer portal when it's combined with the NIL because I think it just creates free agency all the time. But this is Kenny Dillingham on with us yesterday because he obviously is now coaching in the transfer portal slash NIL era. This is how he approaches it. Uh, you know, you can look at it with, you know, two sides of it, but I actually think the transfer portal is great because I think in college football, it's turned into a lot of people that make a lot of promises that don't come through. And that's the recruiting process is what am I willing to tell a kid uh, to get them to commit to me? And I think the transfer portal is the great equalizer for people that are honest. And, uh, you know, I grew up being brutally honest with people. I'm not one to sell a dream. I wanted to say the truth, and uh, I think this. I think the transfer portal is is hurting the people that say what's necessary to get the car sold, and that means get the player to their program. Because now, when that player gets in their program, and it maybe wasn't all the promises, they have an out. I think that's a really interesting point. 
And now he's obviously, you know, he's 32 years old. There aren't any coaches younger than Kenny Dillingham. He has to embrace it, but I also think he has a pretty good grasp on on just naturally embracing it right there. And that is a very good point because there are a lot of lies told to these recruits by coaches. And, you know, you get this get this kid to come out and play for your program and then you leave in, in a year because you want to go coach somewhere else. So the playing field needed to be leveled a little bit where it can't just be the coaches and the universities making money off the kids and then they can do whatever they want and the kids are locked in. But where do you come out on all this? Yeah, I think as a, I like it. For the kids, they should almost put a cap on it because there's going to be some kids that are going to transfer three times. I mean, we've seen, yeah, we've seen it with, um, especially some quarterbacks. Yeah, um, I think uh, is it Slovis is in there for like the third time. Yeah, he's moving again. And, and JT uh, Daniels. Yeah, a yep. Times. So you see yeah. some of these guys that are moving. So I think, and I think they'll probably change the rules. But I am a big fan of it because the same thing: the coach can continue to move on, yeah. move up go somewhere if because they found something better i think the kids should too but because so many kids i think are transferring too just because something didn't happen maybe they got upset at this school they didn't play as well okay go somewhere else but then if they don't like it they're going around but i i like what dillingham said that's this is the the rules this is how it is and you're going to be judged within the first couple of years so you might be able to get a couple of recruiting classes in but this just accelerates your recruiting class because now all of a sudden you don't just have the high school kids coming in you're bringing in all these transfers and if you can use it to your advantage your team becomes that much better so much quicker and that's what you have to have is like instant results in this NCAA world if you don't have instant results you don't get to stick around very long well and and your players won't stick around very long that's I think you hit it right there they need to have some sort of cap or some 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 way to even it out so it, it just it goes it's the old baseball argument you can't have texas a&m be like hey look at all this money we got we can buy every player you develop them we'll buy them and i'm just using them as an example because nick saban picked on them so i figured why not um you, i mean look i don't like u of a but they developed dorian singer and he goes to usc i don't think that you can you can't now i don't even think you should take that freedom away from the players there just needs to be some sort of Cap is the best way to put it, where it's just not total chaos every single year. But from Kenny Dillingham's perspective right now, this is a way to quickly rebuild this program. You don't have to, okay, we're going to go out and we're going to get some recruits and nobody wants to come here right now because you know no recruit, let's say, wants to come here right now or they're hesitant because of everything that's been going on. So in three or four years, maybe you'll start to see my players. It's not like that anymore where it's like you got to give a guy four years before his players get in there and develop. He's already going out. He got Drew Pine from Notre Dame. Drew Pine beat Clemson earlier this year. You have him. You already had Borgay. Now you have Con over there, too. Like You're going to have a quarterback competition at ASU, whereas four months ago, that seemed almost absurd that they could even get a quarterback. Exactly, and he's embracing it. And I think just being a younger guy in the college world, he understands how that works. I mean, he just worked with Bo Nix, who transferred in. I mean, that's kind of how it works. ASU was really good at letting their players transfer, but they didn't understand under... Um, <laughs> they thought the portal only went one way. Yeah, they they didn't understand how that worked, but that's because, I mean, Herm was out, out of the college world for decades and all of a sudden became the coach. And the rules and everything are changing lightning quick. Could you have picked a worse time in retrospect? Yeah. There's no way ASU could have foreseen this, but when they hired Herm, everybody's like, he doesn't understand college football. And then college football went crazy yeah. <laughs> the whole time he was here, too. And it's perfect you have a guy that understands that and is, like he said, he sees it as 
a conduit to building a program and like, all right, you come here. This is what we're building. I want you to come here and be a part of this. But the point you were making before, too, these teams that are really good just keep getting better. Like, there has to be some type of checks and balances. Like, look at what USC did. I think they brought in 20-some different trans, but they were bringing, like, top players. Like, they took the wide receiver from, um, was it Pitt? Was yeah. It like, the Blitnikoff winner? Tris Trance Last year. Yeah. yeah. And obviously bring Caleb Williams. He's going to follow the coach, but they bring all these guys in. You look at what Dion's going to do. He's going to drag players in from everywhere. But it's like Alabama keeps getting these transfers. They get the running back from Georgia Tech. He comes in. Georgia Tech's terrible this year. Yeah, like guys are either leaving because they want to go play somewhere else and we'll get a chance, or let me just join this team. So those top powers are going to continue to stay better because not only do they recruit high school kids so well. They're attracting top talent from other schools. That that last part's the part that that concerns me the most, just for the good of college football. And I get it. You're Alabama, so if 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 there's a really good recruit and he's picking between ASU and Alabama, he's going to choose Alabama ninety five out of a hundred times. There might be some guys that just didn't want to live in Alabama. They want to live, in, but whatever. For the most part, they're always going to choose Alabama, and that's fine because Alabama has the tradition and they've built it, and that applies to Ohio State and all these other schools. But where you where you're going to have an issue, and you don't have it yet. But you're going to have it if you just allow it to keep happening this way is when you have, I don't know what the number is even anymore, but, but, you know, FBS schools, 120, let's say. And we get to the point where there's like, I don't know, 20 in the middle. And then there's basically 60 that are a feeder system for the top 30 or 40, whatever, whatever the numbers look like. You can't have half your programs just being a feeder system because... It doesn't. You don't have G League teams in the NBA. You know what I mean? Like you don't all play in the same league. These teams are all technically in the same the same level of college football. They can't just be a feeder system for. Hey, we developed this guy. He was a diamond in the rough as a freshman. Look, we gave him an opportunity. He paid us back. Oh, now he can get a little bit more money here. And then the next year, oh, he can get a little bit more money here. I get that the players have to have freedom, but there's got to be some sort of cap on what the schools can do. It's the schools I don't trust, not the players. Oh, absolutely. The yeah, the players are just going to go wherever the best opportunity is. And that's that's money or playing, but um, there's already such a lack of parity in college football. Just look at the teams that have been in the playoff system. So there's 131, 32 Division One teams the same now. Six or eight yeah. teams every yeah, year. Every yeah. year. And there's maybe an outlier, but a lot of times when those outliers get in, they get blown out by the all right, they're the four seed. They yeah. get blown out by like you've seen so many blowouts in the games that are supposed to be the top four teams. And for the top level teams to not only build through recruiting, but also just from the portal, like, oh, I was really good at, you know, this middle tier school. Oh, I'll just take my talents yeah. over here and be with it. like the teams are gonna get better and better and then you're gonna have less and less parody now and it's even worse in, in football than basketball because football you got like 100 players on your so when you got two teams meeting and one of them has 100 of the top 103 <laughs> yeah. players it's not going to work out real well for the second team rock and roll hall of famers the red hot chili peppers are heading to state farm stadium on may 14th with the strokes tickets are on sale now but you can win a pair of tickets by heading to the contest page on arizonasports.com all right when we come back there was an interesting player sitting courtside last night and that was going to be our segment and we're still going to get into it a little bit but the sun looks like you're going to have a new owner, so we'll get into that as well next. It is Wolf and Luke. Josh Colmenter in for Wolf on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Wolf and Luke. Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. 
Welcome back to the show. It is Wolf and Luke. Josh Colmenter in for Wolf today. Josh uh, stepping in on what turns out to be a very busy day. You think, okay, it's December 20th. We're just kind of quietly roll to the, uh, the the holiday break here coming up. No, no, it sounds like the Phoenix Suns are being purchased. Uh, the, the tweet from Woj about an hour ago now. Billionaire mortgage lender Matt Ishbia finalizing a purchase of the Phoenix Suns. Sources tell ESPN the deal expected to be completed in the near future would end the tumultuous tenure of owner Robert Sarver. That's all the Woj tweet. And then he followed it up by saying it should be in the range. Sounds like it's going to be in the range of about four uh, billion dollars. So that's uh, <laughs> it's expensive. <laughs> and that's that's uh, a reminder if you are buying if you if you plan on buying a professional sports team. They're only going up. When I mean, you're talking about the NBA and the NFL, for sure, they're only going up. Yeah, the franchise valuations across sports. I mean, I think Forbes does do a franchise valuation, but um, and you can do your top 100 or however many they do. But every year, the value keeps continuing to go up and up with uh, TV money, with trying to take these brands international, um, NBA, NFL, NHL, all teams are playing games in other countries just trying to take these brands globally. The values are continuing to go through, and um, I mean, that's got to be the most expensive Christmas present someone's bought themselves, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they should just, wouldn't that be great if he was gifting it to somebody? <laughs> yeah. Why is it just a piece of paper under the tree? Oh, it's that's just the uh, the purchase agreement to own the Phoenix yeah. Suns. So. Our, uh, our our behind-the-scenes crew here, Aaron Maloney, Jesse Morrison, went and dug this up from Real Sports on HBO. Matt Ishbia actually on there last month, randomly enough. And, uh, again, he played at Michigan State. He is a big booster of Michigan State. Now he's going to be a bigger booster of the Phoenix Suns because I'm guessing he never donated $4 billion <laughs> to Michigan State. But here he is uh, talking about his experience as a Spartan. The reality is Michigan State changed my life. Tom Izzo, particularly, changed my life. And how you pay people back to change your life. You, you, you show love and you give back. Uh, more about his time there. I was a 17th player. They kept 17 players that year. And I was the luckiest guy to be on that team. You would not have made the team if it had 16 players on it. That's right. I had to be the hardest working guy to be the worst player on that team. Do you still have a little walk-on in you? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. That's who I am. <laughs> the hardest working guy to be the worst player on the, uh, some good teams. I mean, <laughs> obviously, a national championship. Uh, another one talking about Tim, Tom Izzo as his coach and, and what that instilled in him. He ingrained in me a different level of work ethic. And so every minute of my day is accounted for um, from, from meetings to calls to every time I have a meeting, there's an agenda. You get two minutes to speak and the clock starts going when you start talking. Be efficient. Like it teaches them, hey, one, don't just talk and blabber. Tell us what's going on in a succinct, intelligent way. Do people like that? You know, I don't know if they like it. But you know what I do know? I know they like winning. Uh, and one more. This is talking about the culture of competition. Again, this is Matt Ishbia, who was on Real Sports last month, talking about his time at Michigan State. This guy, it certainly sounds like, is buying the Phoenix Suns. So get used to Matt Ishbia. The culture of competition is everywhere you look. At workstations, during sales calls, there are trophies for the company's biggest wins. In intramural sports like basketball, dodgeball, and beach volleyball. Business is not that complicated. Get the best people to join your team, right? Just like in sports. Train them, coach them to be the best for themselves, like Izzo used to do with us. And then treat them so well they never want to leave. 
Right. It's a familiar formula to some of Ishbia's top people. Well, this is going to get interesting now because this is definitely a basketball person. This is definitely, I mean, <laughs> you don't you don't make Tom Izzo's team. He can downplay it and be like, oh, I was the worst player. Yeah, you'd be the worst player on a Tom Izzo coach team, especially one that's winning national title, and be pretty good at basketball. Uh, it obviously means a lot to him, Josh. The sport does. So this is, as you said earlier, not just somebody buying a team that has three other businesses that mean more to them, but this is hey, I'm kind of buying this, and I'm letting my nephew run it on the side, but we're going to make money off it. No, I'm guessing he's going to be emotionally invested in this, assuming the purchase goes through. Yeah, just hearing him talk about competition and winning, um, there's a lot of people that are successful in business that have a lot of traits that transfer to being successful in sports. You have to be kind of wired that way. You want the competition. You want that to make you better. You want to win, um, whether it's deals, whether it's sales, whether it's basketball games and just hearing him talk passionately about that it's going to be interesting because how hands-on is he going to be i would imagine he's going to be very present i mean a guy that played basketball in college now owns a basketball team i'm sure he wants to be in all the day-to-day stuff knowing what's going on um so i mean it's exciting but it's also Let's see what he can do now. Yeah, yeah. And there's a lot of unknown, and the expectations are extremely high, and and he's not buying a team that has bottomed out, and it's okay, it's going to be a rebuild, and this will be a business venture. You're you're buying a team, and who knows how long a sale like this takes to actually go through, but you're buying a team that is contending for a title right now and has one of the five to ten best players in the world in Devin Booker and has a number one overall pick from a couple years ago that you just paid and has Chris Paul. I don't have to tell you who's on the Suns, but you're, you're buying somebody that you're buying a team that is a, a very premier team right now. As far as how hands-on he'll be, and this this is, you know, take this for what it's worth. It's a 10-second cut. But this is Tom Izzo talking about Ishbia as a booster. You know, that's the funny part. There are a lot of demanding boosters that think right away if they give something, they own the place. Not Matt Ishbia. So I would think as a Suns fan, that's good to hear. The difference is he will own the place this time, though. Like He will own everything if he buys the team. Uh, What we were going to talk about in this segment, the Suns are playing the Wizards tonight, and that means Kyle Kuzma. Now, the Suns playing the Lakers last night also meant Kyle Kuzma because got here early. They are hosting the Wizards tonight. He obviously used to be on the Lakers. He's really tight with Devin Booker. He is a player, so he was sitting courtside at the game last night. He is a player, and I don't think he was just scouting the Suns, uh, that, that has been linked to the Suns in the past. He's averaging over 21 points a game this year, uh, 7.7 rebounds, right around four assists. He's said recently that he's not going to re-sign with Washington. He has a player option for next year, so he's going to be a free agent this offseason. So if I'm Washington and I'm not going anywhere, he's absolutely somebody I'm at least considering trading unless they think they can get a deal done with him just at a higher price in the offseason. So this is a player that can score that is still young that might be available to a team like the Suns. Yeah, absolutely. And especially he's already um, mentioned not discontent, but just a lack of interest in staying with the Wizards. And having a player option, all of a sudden he accelerates that free agent thing by a year. And if you're Washington, knowing that, having a young, valuable player that a lot of teams, I think, would be after, um, I wouldn't be surprised if he's traded. And that's something I think the Suns are would definitely entertain. It's uh, the quote, he was talking to Dave McMenamin of ESPN. 
And he said, this is Kyle Kuzma, quote, it's not a smart business move. The max I can make if I sign right now is $15 million. If you look at the market, that's not market price. So that's his, his player option if he were just, if he was like, oh, you know what, I'll stick around with the Wizards. He, he can't, he can't get any more, basically. And, and, you know, $15 million for Kyle Kuzma, if you're just driving around and you're doing like a real job, you're like, okay, well, that's ridiculous. $15 million for Kyle Kuzma compared to other players in the NBA. That is not the market price. So, again, from the Suns' perspective, all that really matters is this is not a guy that Washington's like, we're building around this guy for sure. And he's like, no, this is my place. You're not, you're not moving me. He's not a free agent right now. He's not somebody – and he also said in that, that story, uh, I forget what he called. He said it was like unprofessional. He's not going to try and force a trade. I ab- it, this is another quote from Kuzma. I definitely could – but that's very immature. I'm not a really immature person. I like to do business in a professional way, so I would never do that, unquote. So he's not going to be, according to him, the guy that's like, get me out of here. I'm just not going to try. But the reality is him and Devin Booker are close. He's the sort of player the Suns could use, and he's probably available if you make an offer to Washington. So something to keep an eye on. Absolutely. And that's something, I mean, the Suns obviously have a really good team, but one thing they have a plethora of is depth. They have a lot of really good players that you either keep or could use at a trade because at some point you're not going to be able to keep all of those guys. So they have um, essentially holding a lot of cards that they could deal for somebody like a Kuzma or somebody that they think could really get them over the hump when it comes playoff time. But they're uh, in a good position either way. And they're one of the few teams that are a contender. If you really dig deep into this, they're one of the few teams that has picks they can trade because you know you can't you can't trade first round picks in consecutive years in the NBA and some teams you know they've traded the 24th pick but it might convey as a 25th to a 2025 pick so then you can't even trade your first round pick in 2026 the Suns don't have to deal with any of those restrictions as far as I know the only restriction they had to deal with as far as making trades was they didn't know who their owner was and it sounds like they now know who that's going to be all right coming up next we're going to take you through the top stories of the day with Wolf and down your lunch it's Wolf and Luke Josh Colmenter in for Wolf on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader.